Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Praise the Lores podcast. And welcome to the program. We are at episode 10 of the Praise the Lords podcast, and I bring in a good old pal from high school who we've always talked here and there, uh, yeah. and um, I thought it'd be uh, interesting to get him on. He is a former New York uh, City cop. Uh, his name is John Eckel. Introduce yourself to the people, my friend. What's going on, everybody? All right. So, as I said before, we went to high school together. Um, yeah, yeah, good old, good old Long Island. We're both flaming like, arrows, baby. Yeah, Satan, Satan North, flaming arrows, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, we're both, we're both out of uh, Long Island. You currently are not, as I said before, you are not in uh, the New York area anymore. No, I'm just a little west, about 1,100 miles. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what, what, what state would you call that? Mizzo, right? Missouri. The show me state, baby. Oh, Yeehaw. M- M- Missouri. Yes. I, I don't think I've ever stepped foot in that state. Uh, other than Kansas City and St. Louis, I don't know why anybody would. I don't know any other parts of uh, the state there are, really. <laughs> well, it's Ozarks. Like well, the there's, Netflix show, that place is unbelievable. Because uh, isn't there Kansas City, Kansas, too? There is a Kansas. Growing up, I thought the Royals and the Chiefs were in Kansas. I had no idea That's what that I Kansas thought City, too. Missouri even existed. I think I only, God, I think when I was like 15, I learned that, oh, they play in Missouri where the Cardinals play. Oh, got it. Yeah, no shit. I was like in high school. <laughs> All right. You know, well, you know, we learn things late. <laughs> but we just learn things late sometimes. That's that public school education right there. Yes, sir. I learned a lot. <laughs> Yes, you know, I learned a lot, and that's why uh, I'm not in New York, you know, making good money, you know. I'm, I'm down at, oh. out here in Florida. Yeah, but you also, uh, you're not paying uh, $4 for gas, so I guess uh, you won that battle. Not yet. I mean, there was an area by me that I saw was 323, but there's no one at that gas station, so you know, maybe <laughs> maybe business will plummet. Ah shit! I can't. I can't even imagine that. Oh, uh, that will be the day. That will be the day, and then my uh, my uh, my bank account will look a little a little more miserable than what it already is. But that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> all right. So I've always found it interesting when I saw that you became a New York cop because I know isn't it kind of a hard thing to get into? Not as. This might surprise a lot of people. Not as hard as you think it would be. Okay. Um, you take the exam. Now, um, there's probably 200,000 people taking this exam. And if you live in the five boroughs, you get extra points. So you're kind of behind the eight ball if you don't live in, you know, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and the Bronx. But I, uh, I took it my senior year of college. It's easy. I mean, you don't even have to, like, have any type of law enforcement knowledge background whatsoever it's all common sense questions they're just looking to see if you're you know a moron um i took it in january of graduate college so january of 17 and i stepped foot in the academy as my first day as an employed nypd officer at october 28th of 2018 so it takes about a year to 
two to three years for that whole your medical, your physical, your obstacle course, your psychological, all that, all that crap to be done with. Did you have to pay for that, or they pay for it, or you have to pay for the exam, like the like the, like the psych exam or anything like that? No, 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 like the written, like the actual oh, written, okay. like okay, that I like figured. You go to like a yeah, you go to like a city office, a city building. I took mine on uh, on Lafayette downtown by like the courts. Okay. And then it used to be in like public schools when the class size, my class size was about 500. You know, my mother and father's class was about 1300. <laughs> so when it was that big, you know, they were testing it at public schools. Me, it was like, it was like two city offices you could go to. So you pay for that. Everything else you don't pay for until you step in the academy and you pay for all your equipment. Okay. If you could believe it. Um, so are your parents the uh, people who inspired you to be a, a cop? Did you want to always be a city cop or just a cop yeah. anywhere? No, 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 city cop. I grew up. I grew up. My my dad would take me to work, and I would go into his precinct, and then my mom would come and pick me up after she was done, and then sometimes vice versa. Sometimes I go with my mom to work, my dad would pick me up. So I always grew up going over the 59th Street Bridge, and just looking at Manhattan. I grew up in Fresh Meadows, Queens, so I was two minutes to seven. Well, two minutes no traffic. God knows that never fucking happens. But <laughs> I was about ten minutes from the 59th Street Bridge on a on a normal every day by being, right by uh, the here, World's Fair. Being out here does not make me miss the traffic. By the way, oh god, dude, it's I, I live legitimately like right now before my house is done. I live 62 miles away from where I currently work. It takes me like a half hour. Like, this is a joke. Uh, I just I do not miss the New York traffic whatsoever. I mean, I've Ugh. when I go out to Orlando because I'm about an hour and a half from Orlando, mm-hmm. the traffic over there is unbearable. But it's nothing compared to what the New York traffic was there. We 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 know we we know how it is. So, dude, it would take me. I would work out before work, so I had to be at work dressed in uniform, ready to go. At, we'll say seven a.m. I would wake up at four a.m. Get right in my car. I'd go work out in the gym, and I'd change, you know, shower in the locker room, change, go upstairs. So it would take me. I lived at exit sixty on the LIE, so I was exactly like fifty-five miles away from work in the morning. Four a.m. took me thirty-eight minutes. Coming home take me anywhere from an hour to three hours. Yep, my dad would. My dad worked out in uh, Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, uh, with Verizon for a couple of years. So yeah, he he dealt with that traffic a lot. So it was brutal. Yeah, but um, so your parents inspired you. That's that's awesome, honestly. I mean, oh yeah, my mom didn't want me to do it, but she, your mom didn't want you to do it. No, nah, no, nah, but when you know, once I hit a certain age, she kind of knew it was inevitable. Yeah, but what was her reason? Was, just like being a mom and worrying, I guess. Yeah, I think that had a part with it. I think nine uh, eleven really fucked her up. She had some. She's got some lung issues. She had some. Uh, just some PTSD, oh, yeah. like oh. some real shit. Yeah, both um, both of your parents were involved in 9-11? Mm-hmm. So, like, that was a big reason. And then she saw the writing on the wall. Just the, the job today, I guess I mean, even nationwide, isn't what it was. You know, and they got on in 92. So it's not it's not the same job. No. You know, it's not. It's def- most thir- definitely not as safe. Hey, we're talking 30 years. You know, it's not as safe at all. Um. And it's not the same socially. It's not the same at all. So she kind of she kind of saw the writing on the wall, and my dad saw the writing on the wall. But my dad, instead of discouraging me, uh, kind of would give me tips and tricks and hints on how to, you know, work around it and make it the best you know it could be. And I, you know, I'm a cop here now, but I'm in a very small department in a in a ritzy area of uh, of St. Louis where like the, the athletes here live. So I'm in a complete 
you know, I was in East Harlem. I was in like the hood. Ooh. It was great. It was the best job I, you know, in the world. But yeah. you know, it came with its its challenges. So my dad kind of gave me his side of how to deal with it. And my mom just once she accepted it, she was like, eh, "It is what it is." You know, you're doing it. Now, uh, did you know after training you were going to be in that area? Yeah. So they tell you. So the academy is six months, five days a week, and um, so they tell you on what's called gun and shield day you get your shield in new york city we call you know everybody calls them badges but in new york city we call them a shield because shields protect people that's mm-hmm. the whole thing behind that and you get your gun and your shield on a day they hand it to you and like now you're like you you know you get it you're like holy shit i'm a fucking cop now like this because before you wear like this gray uniform and you got like this peter pan hat and looks stupid <laughs> and uh you know you're wearing a you, you know you got this tie on it's fucking everything's too tight you're uncomfortable you got this vest everything sucks and uh, they hand you the gun and shield, and you're like, oh, fuck. And I'm like, this is this is it. Like, I'm a cop now. And then that's when they tell you, you know, where you're going. So if you were going to some shit, like if you're going to the 7-5 in Brooklyn, which is just a war zone, you know, you'd see the guys that were going there, and they were happy. I mean, or they were they would be pissed off. And then you'd see the people going to these nicer areas, and they're like, oh, like fucking high-fiving each yeah. other. You know, and the 7-5 guys are like, oh, shit. Now, do, do they train you guys to be aware of, like, you know, situations in certain neighborhoods, like just obviously because there's lower income and, you know, middle income, they, like, do they train you? They and- do now. I mean, in today's academy right now, you know, I was in about, you know, three years ago. So in today's with the whole COVID situation and yeah. and everything, they're, they're training them slightly different than the way I was trained. But, you know, before, I think it was 90, 94 is when, all the police departments in New York City merged. So before that, you had the NYPD, which covered all five boroughs, but it covered just the streets. And then you had the transit police, the New York City Transit Authority police. They were strictly the subways. And then you had the New York Housing Police, who covered just the projects, just your your NYCHA building. I, I so did not 90, know that, actually. Yeah. So in 90, it's like 93, 94 is when they merged together. And so now... Before, if you were in the academy before the merge, you, you got pulled from the test. So if I took the test, they would just tell you, hey, kid, you're going to be transit. Hey, kid, you're going to be housing, and you're going to be NYPD. Now, NYPD runs all of that, and you go into the academy, and you don't find out until the end. So they they don't give you individualized training like it used to be. Like if you were a transit cop, you'd go to the transit academy. You'd know all the ins and outs about the trains, the rails, you know, all shit like that. But now you don't know where you're going for four or five months. They got to train everybody on everything. So you kind of get, in my opinion, it's less in the academy. You know, if you, if you go to the academy, you're a transit kid. You didn't learn shit about fucking trains or the subways of the academy because yeah. they're gearing it towards the majority. And if you went to housing, you didn't learn jack shit about the projects. You know, you got guys from, you know, the ass end of Long Island out in fucking Montauk. They've never <laughs> stepped foot within a hundred yards of a project <laughs> I, 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 that, that that's kind of i've always wondered that though too because obviously po- you know police officers uh, people whatever come from different backgrounds different scenes so obviously if you're put in a scene that you're not obviously 100 percent aware of i'm sure you, you go oh, into yeah. more shock so oh my god it's yeah i mean coming out here i mean i i live in a fairly safe area 
Um, mm. But um, I've you know I've seen areas in Florida that are obviously you know um, uh, whatever. But for the most part, there's a lot of heavy police presence. See, I don't hear much. I don't know if it's just me being blind to a mm-hmm. lot of uh, what's going on because I kind of shelter myself. I, I want to <laughs> see more positive things going on. But, see, I don't hear much about anything bad police-wise. I mean, there's there's your typical drug busts and stuff here. and Yeah. But I don't hear anything to the point of what um, has been going on. And that's also one thing I want to – so, obviously, you see how the media depicts – Police officers. So I guess I guess um, 2015 is kind of when it started to really go south in terms of media depictions of police. And yep. And then right after that, we had uh, we had Lou and Ramos. They were sitting in their car. They were two officers. Yeah. The guy just walked up, assassinated him. Yep. That, I remember that actually. And uh, I was be you know because. I told you, I mean, when I was younger, I would always be like, oh, police, you know, what? why are they just being assholes and all this and yeah. that. But seeing just what we, you guys have to go through, it's it's just, it's a, I have to give a blessing to you guys, honestly. It's a hard job, and it's just, you know, it's at the end, of, it is a job. You know, people have to know yeah. they're, they're people just like you. It's a mm-hmm. nine to five to them. They have to put food and say, that's the thing. They're not doing it, it to be an asshole, but that's where I get a problem with the media. And I want to know how you feel. I think the media depicts it wrong because it's fitting certain narratives. And I don't think absolutely. now, do you, do you think the media has been unfair in terms of that? I think the media has been benefiting themselves. You know, I mean, outside of of police work i mean nothing sells better in this country than black versus white you know but so they that, always that's try where to make i have it that's what i have a problem with i hate that everything yeah. has to be race related well not even not even just race related but they, they always have to to pin two parties against each other which is not fair you know, and, we're human exactly. beings so, at the end of the day exactly so instead of reporting on the news and reporting the facts and i you know it's not stupid to see why they do it they get ratings you know that's the that's the problem that this world is it's all they're ratings, a ratings driven business and that is so sad for people that actually just want to know what's going on in the world instead of yeah. hearing opinion pieces all the fucking time and that's the that's that's the thing so now instead of reporting on anything they have to find they have to politicize it and rightfully so. That's their job. Just like, you know, I have a job and you have a job. But it's gotten to the point where you can't be a – how do I word this? You can't go out and be a proactive kind of – drop that. You can't go out and be a proactive cop and look for things. And you can't you can't do police work. And people are going to hear this and go, oh, he's a fucking racist. He just wants to stop and frisk and throw people up against the wall. No. You know, if I see a guy – walking a young guy athletic build he's limping down the street you know clearly healthy you know and i go stop me i could pull a gun out of his leg you know that's that's where the limp comes from that's where you pick up on these little things you know you don't learn shit like that in the academy you, you don't learn shit i was just academy. gonna ask you do, learn, they, do they you learn radio t- codes i was just gonna ask no, do they tell you about certain like walks no. and like certain ways to tell 
Like if someone's like There's packing way, and stuff. You it it's you can see the way the way pants, the way clothes lay on a normal body as opposed to the way clothes lay and fit and snag and, and are tilted on somebody who's carrying a firearm. You know, I've seen guys walk down the street with a fully loaded shotgun in their pant leg. Now, see, you know, you're, you're right in New York you. where, well, you were in New York where it's not yeah. an open carry state and they have some of the strictest gun laws in America. Where you can't even go into a gun store and look at a pistol in the state of New York if you don't have a pistol license. But that's how strict that is. While in Texas, it's open carry for the most yep. part. And Florida, it's much easier. How is it in Missouri? Yep. Uh, is it easier? Uh, or are they- it's the same. Okay. It's the same. But like, yeah, you don't learn. You know, going back to your question, you don't learn how to be a a street cop. You don't learn how to pick up on little things. You don't know, yeah. especially if you don't have a a background. You know, where your mom and dad or your uncle was a cop, and they tell you these things. So you get these people that man, they've always wanted to be a cop their whole lives. I'm in it. I'm in the academy, and then they go be a cop, and then the first time they get into the shit. And it, it happens. It happens to everybody. You're going to get into your fist fight. Yeah. You know, they, they freeze up. They don't know what to do. They get their ass kicked. You know, it's like, dude, it's like, fucking let's go, dude. It's your life at this point. And, they, you know, they go by the book and you can always see them, you know, oh, oh, you know, sir, ma'am. You know, if I ever, you know, I, I was in East Harlem. I had from East 96 to East 115, Central Park to the East River. You're working midnights. You walk up to somebody and go, hey, sir, it would behoove you to not do that. You spit in your face or walk away. You know, you got to learn how to talk to people. That's another thing they don't talk about, you know, in these academies. You know, you got to you got to be a, a person who is a community member where you please. You're going to see these people every day. You mean like where you could relate to them in some Absolutely. Ways. Listen, I'm a pale white kid from Queens and Long Island and they stuck me in the barrio. They stuck me in Spanish Harlem and okay. Now I got to relate to these people. Yeah. You know, I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to learn my business owners. You know, it should. I shouldn't have to have, and a big thing with policing now is the hot button, you know, term community policing. I think that is just a bullshit term for something that has been going on for decades. Community, community policing poli- is policing. What do you, you mean know, by community to, policing? Like, I think I shouldn't have to take a selfie with a business owner, put it on Twitter. And say, hanging out with Joe Schmo of Joe Schmo's Bakery. He, you know, we love our community. I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to to do that for the likes. I shouldn't be mandated to do that. I should be doing that because I'm a good cop and I want to learn my community. Like I should know the business owners in my community. I should yeah. know the guy that works not for photo, yeah, not for photo ops. But but that's what that's see that's where the media comes in with you know we're tying it all into your question where they've they've point they've painted the job and the people who take the job in a certain light to where they've made us dehumanized. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that every fucking cop is a a saint. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you that later on. Um, I'll tell you straight up right now. There are cops. I wouldn't trust with a, with, you know, my kid, I wouldn't trust with your kid. You know, there are a piece of shit people that work in this profession. Just like there's pieces of shit that work in every profession. Exactly. Right? There's power-hungry like people everywhere. It's more about absolutely. the power, too. Yeah, it's more about the power and, I think, the image. Um, but, you know, you, you've dehumanized us to a point 
where now people don't see a person, they see a uniform. And on the flip side of that, of me being the person that they're talking to, you know, I got to understand this probably isn't this person's first run in with the police. You know, could the last guy have been a gentleman to him? Could the last guy have been a, a you know, a piece of shit who's a racist? And they're going to take that out on me. So I, anything that anybody ever said to me in uniform, I never once took personal. Um, because they're not mad at me. They're mad at the uniform or they're mad at the situation. And, you know, I have to come and, and resolve that to the best of my ability. But we've been dehumanized to the point where people, you know, they come up and, you know, I got to be worried about getting my head blown off at a fucking red light. Yeah. Like, you know, my, my, my dad's generation of cops didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, sure they had to, I'm sure they had to worry, but in, not as much as it is nowadays where you have so many mass resignations and. Oh my! No, they had to worry about getting into a shootout because they were responding to a job with somebody with a gun. Yeah, like you know, a me sitting at a red light in the middle of the day with nothing going on. I got to worry about somebody rolling up on a shotgun and, and you know decapitating me. Yeah, it just it's that's where you are right. They dehuman the media has dehumanized it, where you, you're people too. Like I said, you're people too. Yeah. And, you know, you guys think the same things of what other people are thinking. You know. Right. Am I, you know, uh, how long or not how long or am I going to get, you know, am I going to get home at and, you mm-hmm. know, at night and just yeah. n- not anyone thinks like that for the most part in any other no. profession besides, you know, I, I mean, military, obviously, that's no. that's a whole other. And I have my utmost respect for them because I can Absolutely. never, ever fucking do that. But it, it, <laughs> There's so much stress that I don't think people realize that go with this job either, I would assume, right? There's so much no, more and it, stress. And what sucks about it is if you are a New York City cop who lives in New York City, you live in the five boroughs. So you live in Queens, you work in Manhattan, let's say. You know, by law, you're required to carry off duty and you're required to take action if something happens in front of you. So, you know, you got these poor guys that could work in, in shitholes and work in, in the worst parts of New York City that are dealing with some of the, you know, you, shit doesn't even, you see in TV shows is like, is is juvenile to what some of these guys are seeing. And then now, like, they go home, they can't escape it. You still, you you live where you work. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you may live in Brooklyn, but you, you live in Brooklyn, you work in Manhattan, you, you just dealt with some, you know, little kid that just got shot in the face. And now you got to go home and you... You're seeing the same police cars roll by that you ride in, and God forbid you're getting a bite to eat and somebody tries to rob the place. You know, you legally have to take action. If they found out that you're in there and you didn't do anything, you're sued, you're screwed, you're fired. Wow. And you're liable for what happened. So that the mental aspect of of the job in big cities, um, specifically the NYPD that has a, a pretty brutal work schedule. You work five days, you're off two, you work five days, you're off three, eight hours a day. Where nine times out of ten, you're really not getting that three days off because you got to work overtime for for God knows what. Um, you know, a, a lot of the rest of the country works twelve hour, ten to twelve hour days, two days a week, and then you're off for three days, and then you work for two days, and then you're off for three days. You know, there were times I, I I've slept at work, you know, at, at my precinct in in Manhattan. I I didn't go home for days. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's like. You know, I, you know, I rode around with my, I saw my partner more than I saw, you know, my family, my friends. So, you know, there are are times, you know, that's why we have these suicides because you can't escape it. You know, if you, if you work in a shithole, your, your, your mood's going to 
over the years, you're going to become a grumpy bastard because there's nothing you can do about it. That's I would say that's definitely a part of the mental health crisis. You know, absolutely. No one, I don't think people take into account those things. So and you're not right. just not just for cops. You know, I can't tell you how how many mentally unhealthy people I dealt with. You know, these just people that should not be on the street. Yeah. They should be in an in, in a hospital in an institution somewhere that can help rehabilitate or or contain these people because you know society has failed this person 1000 times over before they get to me and now i have to be the sh- the social worker the therapist i know you know i have to be that guy and yeah that's my job i signed up for it absolutely but and then you're going to put all the blame on on me when when it goes south and now i got to tase this guy because it looks bad on camera you know that's the that's the thing and, and you know how we you, failed these people as a society, but yeah. yet, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm the fucking, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Give me a break. And like, how do you, how do you guys deal with, I don't know if you've personally dealt with this, but obviously people have cell phones and record everything. now. Mm-hmm. How do you guys like deal? Like, if, have you ever actually had to deal with something where you had someone start filming an altercation? Absolutely. And, Almost every day. Oh, Okay. Um, but, um, and that's so you the, have a body camera on your chest. So yeah, mo- do all cops or camera. most cops? Because I feel like Every, I see I see some of them record like in terms of videos. I see that some are recording and others aren't. I, I don't know. Every New York City police officer has a body camera, and we still are. I'm going to refer to we because I you know we we were required to. First of all, I can I can start recording at any time I want. But there are certain situations where I legally have to record the entirety of the incident. So okay. if you just walk up to me on the street and you, hey, you motherfucking piece of shit, blah, 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 I can hit the record button if I want to. Just God forbid, you know, a couple of weeks later, you try to file a complaint on me. Meanwhile, you were the one that walked up to me when I was grabbing a sandwich. You know, I can record whatever I want, but there are things I legally have to record. So like and a domestic what, disturbance, um, like. Yep, that's a must record. From the oh. moment I open that police, the moment I open that police car door. That that camera's got to be on and rolling, and they have they have rollbacks. So like you hit the button, mine was on my chest, so I just to. So I I would hit the button, and it would record thirty seconds to a minute before I even hit that button. So God forbid something popped off really quick. Oh shit! Boom! It got whatever just happened. So, but also what a lot of people don't understand is by you leaving your house, you've given up all your rights to privacy just by walking out in public. You have no. You could be recorded anytime you've give you've signed away your right to privacy. So I would always I just assumed I was on camera twenty four seven when I was in uniform. I just I walk out, you want to pull out a, a shitty cell phone and fucking Facebook live your shit and, and yell and scream? Go ahead. Because I'm recording and I always act as if I am had a film crew following me around every day at work. That's just especially in today's day and age, you know, eighties, nineties, early two thousand, you don't gotta deal with that. But I loved it. I love the body cameras. I think if you talk to 100 cops, I think 95 to 99 of them would tell you that it's the best thing. Well, because it also exonerates certain things, too. Where Absolutely. That, that's where we'll, we'll go back again to the media, where mm-hmm. they only show certain parts of videos to yep. obviously prove a narrative that they're pushing. And Absolutely. 
I mean, obviously, some is probably too graphic to show on network TVs oh, and yeah. stuff. Of Without course, a doubt. But there's, I, I just always have trouble believing a lot of the time that a cop is openly looking to be a troublemaker, a racist, yeah. a bigot, whatever. I have a very hard time believing that. Now, I, so are you guys taught to be racist in training? No, like that's that, that's what I. To, to be honest with you, it's actually the complete opposite. I had we had classes about just the most PC, you know, everybody love everybody thing that you can imagine. You know, everybody's this. You know, I, you know, here's who has privilege. Here, who doesn't have privilege? Blah blah blah. To me, the the academy in that aspect was almost too soft because you just, at the end of the day, you're a you're a fucking cop. Like somebody is going to try to kill you one day. Just because you wear a fucking uniform, they, they give a yeah. rat's ass about you. You could you could have adopted twelve kids from fucking Nigeria, the thirty from you know Detroit shitholes, and you could be motherfucking Teresa. But once you put on that uniform, they think you are the Antichrist, and somebody will try to kill you. And you know they don't tell you that at, at the academy. You know you get some guys that do because they know the world isn't sunshine and rainbows and you know it's not the book you're fucking dealing with you're dealing with real people who are just total unpredictable yeah. animals and new york city and, is the king of unpredictability it's oh my god <laughs> and you it worked it, in I, it I, I only would go to visit and everything and i, I still would <laughs> see a cast of characters what, and i it pains me to see the way new york is going in terms of you can't afford to live there. It was probably going to go that way anyway. New York's taxes no, are just unbelievable. But it kills me because I, I, I can't tell you enough how much fun being a New York City police officer is. It, it's the greatest job in the world. I had, you know, there's this old saying that these old time cops used to say. It was, "You have a front row seat to the greatest show on earth," and. I, it, it's wrong because you don't. You're not watching it. You're fucking in it. Yeah. Like, you know, well, well, it still is the greatest show on earth because New York is turning into a clown show. So it's still a good show. Uh, You know, it's I the first time I arrested somebody who came back to the precinct to pick up their property before I finished the paperwork and left was the first time I was like, oh, this is a fucking joke. Okay. so but yeah, dude. I mean, I've it's crazy. But it's the most fun thing that you will ever do. If you can, if you can stomach crazy shit, you know, seeing just bodies just disemboweled. If you can stomach that, and you're okay with making shit money, do it because you will have the most fun. You'll have no social life. You'll get no sleep, but you will have some of the funniest fucking stories you you can ever imagine. And you'll, you know, you'll you'll cry. There'll be times where you can't. Well, because it's real life shit. It's not like. You know, the TV shows or the movies, you know, like no. I have you ever seen that movie End of Watch? Yes, that's a great movie. That, I think, seems very realistic to what real cops that's have very, to deal with. That's a that's one of the that's one of the, the, the better ones. You know, that's a that's a pretty good one. The, the way I describe this job to or I did describe being a, a New York City cop to my friends was this job is 90 percent bored out of your mind five percent scared shitless and five percent laughing your fucking ass off 
I yeah, I I, I definitely believe the ninety percent board part because I'm sure nine times out of ten you're just sitting there and just hanging out, driving and, around, talking to talking to people on the street, you know, talking to your business owners. Hey, how's it going? Sitting around doing fucking paperwork that's going to take you hours. Yeah, and then boom, gunshots ring out five blocks away, and you're like, uh, okay, I'm in the shit. Yeah, uh, it's it's a profession that is only built for some and just like yeah. just like military and it's just only built for some it, it's not built for me and that's why i always have the <laughs> utmost respect for you guys and it's just because no it's to, to seeing like blood and like oh, maybe that that doesn't really bother me i watch enough crime shows i think i that doesn't really bother me but if you're seeing that it's in more, real it's life more real on tv yeah in real life it's just like Oh, I, I, I really don't know what the hell I would be doing. And people with like their heads blown off on TV, it looks more real than when you actually walk into an apartment where a guy just shot himself in the head. You're like, uh, I just, this is it? I can't even imagine what uh, your your first reaction was if when you saw something like that. Oh, my God. My, the first time I ever, as a cop, had that like holy well because shit it's moment. you know you're doing it as a cop when you're a normal human being like me you're not really walking into situations like that you know what i mean it's no no, no. the first the first time i had that reaction was uh i was on midnights so you worked from like 11:45 p.m. to like 6:45 a.m. that was like the time frame i could be off a little bit on the times but so it's like the end of my shift it's like it's like four fifty, five o'clock. It's like an hour left, baby. It's been a great fucking. Not, nothing's going on. Knock on wood. I'm gonna get out of here on time. How'd you manage? Well, I'll get. You, how'd you manage with the sleep schedule? Because that's obviously. Oh, brutal. Yeah, because I've I've always had a normal sleep schedule, so I've never had anything to deal with. It's the worst. It's the worst. But so we get a uh, we get a call over the radio. You know, units be advised. We got a uh, confirmed two people shot. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, what are you fucking? It's 445 in the morning. Who's shooting somebody? It's fucking Wednesday. Like, what the hell's going on? So we go flying, flying over there. And, uh, you know, I'm running. I got my gun out. I'm running up the stairs. They they put over. No description. I have no idea who I'm looking for. This guy could have ran right fucking by me that just did this shooting. I have no idea. They didn't say anything. So all of a sudden, I get up. I'm, it's like the sixth floor. I just ran fucking six flights of steps, sweating my ass off. What's going on? I'm fucking looking. There's nobody here. There's fucking shell casings all over the uh all over the foot screaming in the room and there's a oh he left he left i'm like okay cool so i got more shit on my belt than fucking batman you got tourniquets and shit so i'm getting all my my first aid stuff ready i see an ems guy come out of the elevator i'm like oh thank god so i i run into the apartment i'm like we gotta we gotta start helping people i run it my foot goes in the door i go flying I'm like, what the fuck? The whole floor is just blood. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, oh shit. There's a girl, she got shot in the uh in the in the lower leg, and she's screaming. Ah, I'm like, listen, I need to get your information. You know, what did this guy look like? Nah, fuck you, Whitey. I was like, okay, on to the next person. You know, EMS was started working on her. There's a guy, he got shot in the stomach. The bullet ended up getting lodged next to his spine. And EM, he's like, I need some water. I need some water. The EMS guy's like, yo, you got to stop fucking moving. You're going to die. And I'm in this apartment. That's <laughs> I laugh about it now because it's just so fucking crazy. These two people are shot. There's blood 
everywhere. I just slid across the whole floor. I get down on, on one knee. So now these pants are fucking ruined. And I, I'm sitting that's, in these people's I'm trying to figure out point. who's besides the point but it all goes through your head so now i'm talking I'm, I'm trying to figure out who the fuck this guy is you know hey buddy like the last thing the, <laughs> just, just, another thing about cops just fucked up sense of humor and laugh at stupid you, shit you kind of have to have that though you kind of exactly. have to be like that so I'm, I'm looking around my sergeant's at the at the door what, what's, what's the deal what's going on boss i'm trying to figure it out does anybody got this? I'm looking around. I'm like, does anybody know who the fuck this guy is? Because he's going in and out of consciousness. You know, EMS is getting ready to wheel his ass out of there. Like, they got to get this guy to the hospital. Last thing this guy does before he dies is hand me his driver's license. So he's like, officer. And he hands it to me. I look at it. I start writing it down. I go to hand it back to him. Guy's done. Uh, Dead right there. Right in front of me. And I'm like, what the fuck? I get back in the car. We settle everything. And um, I get back in the car. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just walk into? I'm like, what? And now I gotta go home. I'm like, what? So now it's and now it's well, seven a.m. How, how do you even LA. go about the rest of your day, night? Like, how do you oh, go about it? Do you know what I did? I got on the LA. I sat in fucking traffic. I went to the Lake Grove Diner and I ordered a fucking bacon cheeseburger deluxe with a Bud Light. And they looked at me like I had nine heads because it was about eight a.m. when I ordered it. <laughs> it's, like, wow. it's like it's like what do you like? You can't. Like even me telling you that right now, like you can't get the smell, you can't hear the I, sound I'm, of this I'm girl trying screaming. To, I'm trying to get it through my head, and I can't get it through it's my crazy. head. What I would do? It's insane. And then you go like, "There's just some funny shit." And, like, and they don't train you clearly for that. They're not going to train you for no, no, no. So what? What they get trained for? Like I, I'm like a robot when it comes to this. I've done so much first aid on people; it's not even funny. So that what they trained you for, it kicks in. They train you for that. They don't train you for the social side of it, like how to deal with people. They don't they don't do that. But when the shit hits the fan, your training goes in. I gotta get a tourniquet on her. I gotta put gauze on that guy. Let me get my gloves on. You know, the first thing you do is put your gloves on. You, you don't wanna catch, you know, God forbid somebody's got, you know, who knows what. You know, you put you, as soon well, as I start hearing the well, scream and I see the blood. Definitely now. Oh, yeah. COVID oh, please. No, you you go on autopilot in these situations, and you go on autopilot in a good way to where you're participating and you're doing shit. You don't even you're not even thinking about it. Like yeah. before I knew, before I even thought about it, is I'm putting a tourniquet on this girl. You know, fuck you, fuck you. All right, lady, no problem. Fucking crank the tourniquet, spin it on. You know, and then you're done, and you're like, holy shit, I just did, I just did all that. You know, you didn't you didn't think about some kind. It's like breathing at that point. Yeah. You know, I'd be I'd be driving down the street. This actually happened. I'm driving down the street. It's ten minutes. 10 minutes before I sign out. So I'm heading back to the precinct. A guy standing in the middle of the street, his face is falling off. I'm like, what the fuck? He got, sl- he got slashed from like ear over his forehead to ear. And the oh. he's just, by the time I even put the car in park, I had my gloves on and I had my, my gauze. It comes in like a vacuum sealed bag. So, you know, it's sterile. You can use it. And uh, I'm already ripping it by the, by the time the car's in park, I got, I hop out and I'm already putting it on and it's just that that's the academy training. You know, that's the the, the best part about the academy is the, is the first aid aspect. Yeah. And the and the way they kind of make you a robot in in certain ways. The worst part is, you know, they teach you to the book. They don't teach you to the street. So, you got great which I feel like they, you know, should, they, they should kind of teach you street uh, knowledge too, I feel like. Or maybe, you, or maybe they have a feeling that 
you know it already. I, I don't know. They well, should unless, teach you. Well, unless, thing. you know, because you have cops that grew up in those neighborhoods that want to be cops. So they kind of have more of an understanding. But then, obviously, you coming from Long Island, going to Harlem, it's yeah. a completely different scene. So oh, yeah. Even have, when I lived in New York City, I lived in I lived in Queens. Like I lived right, like, right by Shea Stadium. Like there was no fucking, you know, shots ringing out at 10 p.m. Like, no, well, I I know Flushing Queens is very peaceful every time I was around there. So, <laughs> yeah, it's more of you got to be a people person. Yeah, you know, you're gonna, if you get the job, you're going to get fucked. They're going to stick you on some shitty posts, and you're going to be standing on a corner somewhere doing doing dick. You're just there to be seen, and you're there for eight hours. But by the time relief comes, it's nine or ten hours. So you can either be a miserable bastard and stand on that corner with your grumpy face. Everybody walks by you go, that's a piece of shit. I don't want to deal with that cop. Or you stand on that corner and you talk to people. I, I would talk to everybody. You know, when you first get out, they put you on these stupid on these stupid gigs, and you know you got you got to earn your respect within your precinct, and you got to show your supervisors that not only can you handle yourself, but you can work and you can handle situations. So you know, they stick me on this corner. I was on this corner, dude. You work five days in a row. I was probably on this corner four days a week for about five months. So. I get my assignment. I don't, I don't even know why I would I would pull out my notes because I, I knew what I, my assignment was. Eckle, yeah, okay, yeah, thanks, boss. So I get dropped off over there, and people are creatures of habit. You know, that's a lot of these spontaneous assaults and these and these situations, these disturbances, because somebody's routine was broken. So I would see the same guy in a wheelchair, walk his dog every single day. I'd see the same crazy drunk bastard who's wasted at 8 a.m. every single day. You start to learn the area you're in. You start to learn the people. And I'm here four days four days out of the week. I'm on this fucking corner, literally doing nothing. But I'm here to prevent shootings. They would just shoot two blocks away from me. I ain't give a fuck. But, you know, you start talking to these people. So at the end of my four months where I, where I got to earn my respect, I got to you know, when I wasn't standing on this corner, they would put me in a car and I would handle myself in these situations. And they saw that I wasn't a fucking jackass. You know, I earned my way and I became a, a steady sector. So a normal cop that was driving around every day in the police car. And then if something happened near that corner and I got out of the car, they'd be screaming, officer, you don't know. Oh, officer, Eck. hey, officer, Eck, get over here. Yeah, listen. So Bobby shot, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, hey, Crystal, hang on one second. And, you know, these other cops look at me like, how do you know these fucking people? And I'm like, he's fucking, you stuck me on a corner here every day for fucking four months straight. What, do you expect me not to talk to anybody? You're going to gain friendships that you didn't even know Absolutely. you wanted. <laughs> listen, I'm standing here. They're sitting on the bench all day talking about the same shit they've been talking about for 30 years. So why not fucking strike up a conversation yeah. with these people? If I try to talk to you, you tell me to go fuck myself. Make the all best right, out yeah, of a situation that you don't necessarily want to be in. So Exactly. And, you know, that's what a lot of people don't understand about police work is you can't – you're going to get fucked with shitty gigs. Make the best of it. You're here for eight hours. You want to be the guy that complains for eight fucking hours or you want to be the guy that makes the best of it? I just think there's people that are, you know, meant to just complain about everything. That's oh, the thing. That's the thing. You know, some people are just miserable just being them. Absolutely. And if that's the case, you know, this isn't the job for you because you're going to be miserable. And now, you're why, be even more miserable. now, why is the suicide rate the way it is? I'm sure it's not just for city cops. I'm sure it's for police officers all over the world so i can 
where I work now is like the fucking the Hilton compared to where I was. So, <laughs> you know, you, for example, I could speak to city cops because while I was there, the three years that I was there, we had more officers kill themselves in any three year span in the city's history. And you can look that up. That's a, that's a, that's a fact. You know, that's, it has to do with, I think the, the media definitely plays a small role in it because these people are getting portrayed as villains and, you know, they could be mother Teresa, but everybody's going to view them as a villain. But especially in the NYPD where you have such a bad schedule, where you work five straight days, you basically never leave. You're getting fucked with overtime constantly. The pay sucks. You know, you, you feel like you can't escape it. You know, I feel, you feel like you can't escape, you know, your demons that happen at work. You know, my, my dad always ex- told me that as soon as you take that uniform up and you hang it in your locker, the problems of the day stay there. Some people do it better than others. Some people take the shit home with them. You know, we had we had a uh, a cop kill herself in my command, and uh, Amy, she was a she was a sweetheart. And you know, it's just some people just get too overwhelmed. And you know, if you want to come forward with the with the mental aspect of it you kind of get shit on by the job. You know, we, we had a ton, you know, we had a ton of these organizations within the, within the department, you know, we had Papa, we had a lot of these mental health avenues. You can go where you can call and it's anonymous and, you know, nothing's going to happen to you. But if you really had a mental health emergency, you know, you're having a mental breakdown, you know, they, they took your gun, you know, they'd send you to, they, they, they'd hurt your pride and they'd hurt your career. So a lot of these guys, hey, I'm not fucking calling that. They're going to find out who I am. I'm not fucking doing that. And they just hold on to that's, it. That's also, to that's it. also like a New York like a New tough York thing, tough too. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's, that's um, the mental mental health aspect in anything because no one wants to hear you talk about that type of stuff. It's real stuff. And cops exactly. clearly deal with real, if not worse shit than what I yeah. deal with. And I have and, my yeah. days of bad anxiety yeah. and everything like that, but nothing compared to yep. that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's, you know, you call us for help. Who do I call for help? Yeah. You know, nobody wants to be seen as, as the cop that, that's got to, you know, nobody wants to be that guy. You know what I mean? So you deal with this shit for years. You, you know, these guys are working 20 to 25 years minimum. So can you imagine keeping all this shit pent up inside and you can't talk to anybody and, you know, the, we have the highest divorce rate amongst careers. So now you, you're going home, you're fighting with your fucking wife or your husband and you, now you go to work where, you know, you're dealing with all this other shit. Yeah. You, you can't escape these problems and that's, that's what that's what sucks and that's what that's what killed just about every, every cop that killed himself had to do with not being able to balance – the job and the home life or not being able to escape the job. And there's no training for that either. You, you can't, no, get, how do you train somebody to exactly to let it go? Exactly. You can't train someone to balance a home life and then a work life. And for the most part, you don't even have time to go see a therapist. If you even, if you wanted to. Yeah. When wow. am I, when, for me, for example, when did I have fucking time to see a therapist? I, my commute home was one to three hours. By the time I got home, ate dinner, and took a shower, it was fucking nine thirty, and now I got to wake up at four a.m. to do it all again. Yeah, and then on your days off, you pushed your so days, much shit. Your days you off, you're not off. really thinking about. 
Oh, I gotta, I gotta, you know, talk to yeah. my therapist and I got, no, I got a food shop. I gotta go get gas. I gotta fucking do this. Well, my day's off is over. Now I gotta go back to work. I gotta go get my uniform dry, clean and pressed. You know, it, it, you can't escape it. And a lot of people handle it better than others. And a lot of people can't. It's all just, everyone's personality is different. So yeah. like you said, obviously you gotta be more of a tougher person and a, um, a people person too. Um, Oh, you you definitely have to be a a social butterfly to succeed in this career. I'm a social butterfly, but I can't handle the shit that you clearly have (laughs) told me. I, you know, I can handle some things, but that's not one thing I can handle. And I can openly admit that. Yeah. At least you admit it now, and you're not the guy that's admitting it when the bullets are going flying by, and, he, and he's crying behind a you know a car bumper. You know that you don't want to realize that you're not cut out for it then, because now yeah. it's too late. Now. Uh, it's it's crazy. It. I I always just I I feel for the families a lot too. You know, they're sa- yeah. people don't realize they sacrifice more than you realize too. I mean, thankfully you don't have you know, a family, yeah. like, you know, like a kid and a wife and whatnot, but no, but I was the kid to, yeah. to that, you know, I, I got to see that, you know, there were times as a little kid where, you know, this is, you know, before fucking the best cell phone quality. So my dad's phone died at, you know, halfway through work and, you know, he didn't call to say goodnight. And now I'm thinking he's, he's fucking dead. You know, and I can't go to sleep till he pulls up. Meanwhile, he got an arrest and he's got some overtime, but he's not able to, to fucking call. Yeah. You know, and I'm sitting in my room crying. I can't sleep because I think my dad just died. So it's like you got that aspect. Of that, and then you got these husbands and these wives that, you know, they got to they gotta be both parents. You know, the, the home life for the wife and the husband of a cop is just as, if not more important than what you're doing at work because they got to handle – shit at home they got to be a mother or father they got to be a teacher they got to be they got to be everything they got to be a coach they got to be everything for these kids yeah. and you know you, you're you're gone 99 of the week and then you get to come home and on your days off you either don't want to deal with you know your bratty fucking five-year-old who's screaming his head off you don't want to go to a you know you don't want to do this shit so they yeah. do they do more than than you do you know i've seen that from experience yeah yeah and Obviously, you experienced. Um, I, yeah, I mean, one of my best friends, his dad was a, a a police officer too. He worked in Nassau County. He was a Nassau County cop. In uh, he New had a York. great schedule and great pay. That's yeah. That's that's another thing that always bothered me. That's a and whole I, other topic. It is a whole other topic, but and I, I think most people could agree that why why are like more suburban cops paid more than city ones, not just New York city. I'm sure in like, you know, maybe Atlanta or like, you know, uh, I'm going to go by like Miami or Orlando. I wonder how their pay is. I, I would like to Google and see how that is, but like more than New York city, New York city's bottom, bottom three to bottom five consistently every year. But why is, is there reasoning for that? Politics. You have so you had a you had a in New York City. I can I can only speak for New York City. Yeah, in New York City, you have you have a mayor that absolutely despises law enforcement. In the but state, uses it, but have, uses it to his advantage, right? Then he would he would use course. it to, uh, you know, take his kids somewhere, and you know he he uses it to his advantage. 
Yes, of so course. So you're a hypocrite. So you have you have a mayor that despises you. You have a governor that could give a rat's ass about you. You have borough presidents that, that don't give a rat's ass. And that all goes into a melting pot, which is the New York City government. And when it comes down to it, if it's the raise for you know, other city workers or we need money for this and we need money for that, <laughs> never given money. And then you're going to have, you know, you're going to have people that are listening, that are hearing this, that are like, oh, he's a fucking, you know, what the fuck is he talking about? New York, New York City Police Department is the biggest in the world. Yeah, we got 40,000 cops. If we were an army, we would be like the fifth or sixth largest army. Um, we also have to be. We have the most, we cover the most diverse area to work in the world. Uh, that's that's a fact. We have the most terrorist targets in the in the country, in the world. We have the amount of terrorist attacks that have been stopped, that have tried to take place in New York City, that nobody even knows about is insane. So you got to deal with that. You got to deal with an ever growing, ever changing, societally, economically, and geographically city. You got to deal with all this stuff. So you need all these different tools. We're surrounded by water. So you need to have good boats. You need to have scuba. You need to have all this. You need you need air. You need all this the best equipment because you're dealing with you're not just dealing with you know the drug dealers and the guys shooting each other on the block. You know you could be dealing with something that's going to make 9/11 look like a fucking uh, a kid show. Yeah. So you have to have that. So that's where. You know, you look at it and people look on the surface and say, oh, they already get too much. Fucking defund the police. Get rid of them. Dude, I was bringing home (laughs) $25,000. Like I couldn't. I was living in my childhood bedroom. Wasn't paying rent. Thank God. Um, I was making my car pay. I have a fucking Subaru Legacy fucking four cylinder. $325 a month. But at the end of the day, I could barely afford fucking anything. And you know, I got to see. I got to hear defund the police. I'm like, defund the police? What the fuck? What are you gonna do? I'm gonna do this volunteer. So you know, that's that's what you're dealing with. So when it comes to like everything in, in New York City's contracts, you know, there's the fire contract because we're we're all unionized. I for the duration of my career, for the three years, I was not under contract. So I was going off of a of a. Well, the best way to explain it is just like a like a base salary that they've just agreed is like the lowest we will pay New York city cops. So the mayor doesn't want to go to the negotiating table with the unions to address salary changes. You know, over my three years, I never once got a cost of living raise. So that's the attitude. And then, you know, this guy's gone. De Blasio is going to be gone here. And whenever his terms up November, however, the mayoral candidates work, the next guy up is probably going to be the Brooklyn borough president. Who's even loonier than this guy. So yeah, it's so like you're not you know, in, you're not in good hands, or they're not in good hands. You got out, so but no. the other people that you know are not in good hands necessarily. Yeah, and this whole you know, the flavor of the month is the police are bad, and everybody always that's says been the oh, flavor the pendulum. That's been the flavor of the month for years, though. Absolutely, especially in New York City. You know, if somebody's listening in Texas, they're gonna be like, I don't know what this fucking guy is talking about, but. You know, they always say that the pendulum swings both ways. You know, for every de Blasio, there's going to be a Giuliani and, and back and forth. It's not in New York City anymore. It's only going to swing or it's only going to stay in one way pretty soon because all the people that would sway it the other way are leaving. Yeah. So 
you're losing these good cops. I can't tell you how many cops over my three years left Arizona, Texas, Florida, Missouri. They're leaving for better pay, better quality of life, better schedule, better job life. And you're not you're not getting them back. And you keep, you know, I don't want to get too political, but you keep electing these people that don't like the police and want to get rid of them. And they call, they say that a policeless New York City would be a utopia. But yet our murder rate, our arrests, our guns on the street, our crimes, our murder, everything is higher than it's ever been. So you're losing the people that want to correct that. And you're losing the good cops. But you see, I, I think a lot of times... People, you know, politicians, activists and stuff say this without actually being on the job and knowing what they're talking about. Oh, correct. There's nothing like, worse than I feel than a career like you have you how to work. Well, you know, we're not we don't get political on the Praise the no, Lord's no. podcast, but politicians are the biggest liars and phonies yep. ever. And for them to sit and, you know, preach, 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 they they're not on the job. Exactly. And it goes for anything. Like, I'm, I, not I'm, on, I'm not on the job. job. I'm not going to know what the fuck you're going through. Yeah. I mean, I would never tell a carpenter how to do his fucking job. I would never tell a fireman. I'd never tell a tow truck operator. I don't know how to do this That's what shit. I feel like is a problem, a societal problem is, you know, you have too many people with opinions mm -hmm. and the people in the biggest platforms giving their opinions sometimes leads to very bad things. In, oh, any, in any aspect, in, in, any, life. in any aspect, and in you life. know, because you know, people want to look up to, you know, um, that that person, and you know, they have a platform to say whether it be through social media, regular media. Uh, it, it's social media is the worst thing that has it, ever happened to the human race. It is the best and the worst. I always say it's a gift and a curse, yep. and a god and a devil, because. I don't like it. As I think it's the worst thing for that. Now I use it. People are going to be like, fuck what I follow them on Instagram. No, I, I love putting stuff out there and I love, you know, interacting with people. Well, so, do, so do I. You know, it you makes people think they're important. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean anything to society. I'm a fucking 25 year old cop. I, I, I'm not important. That's how I feel. But, I'm a, I'm yeah. almost 26 year old kid who, yeah, oh, okay, I want to show off certain things about my life because, Absolutely. you know, I'm a, I'm a big sneakerhead. I have a tattoo yep. sleeve. I ha I'm a big yep. sports, you know, like those are things that I, you know, for people that care about me and, you know, uh, that that's fine. But, uh, and also social media, you're also being somebody, you're not truly. You know yourself on, online either. And Everybody thinks that their opinion is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and they think that it has to be. That's why out. Twitter yeah. is such a wasteland. It it's, is. It's, it's, no, nobody cares. Nobody cares. I, like, I just I like to, today. So today I was out to breakfast with my girlfriend, and we were at Wawa, and um, we saw Wawa. Yeah, Wawa's the shit. Um, we were sitting and we saw these four old men um, and they were wearing Biden hats and Trump hats and they were having a civilized discussion. We don't know what we were talking about, but there was clearly no yelling. There was clearly no. And I'm just like, I said to her, why can't everything be like that now? Why is everything 
oh, you're wrong. You're, you're this, you're that. Oh, I can't talk to you because your opinion's different. Why is it like that now? I, and I think social media has a lot to do with I it. I, and I, I, think, I think it has a majority to do with it. You know, you got these, you know, you got the politicians on social media, obviously spewing their opinion. You got mm-hmm. um, talk show hosts, this and the, it just, it, it's just. Because you got the people like that. You got the people you just mentioned, the talk show hosts, the politicians, the reporters and everything. They're going to be so radical in either direction because they want to spark debate. They want to spark controversy. So you watch their program so that they're doing it to make money. And I understand that aspect that goes with everything, of course. That's why actors and actresses go on TV shows. You know, It's not like these people are friends with Jimmy Fallon and they hang out with him all the time. They're promoting a product that they want to make money on. So that's that's that aspect of social media. But that that fuels such a fire in, in people yeah. to where they think that, that, that that's normal. Like They think just because you're wearing like a Milwaukee Bucks jersey that you're wearing right now, that they could just start screaming and throw shit at you because you're wearing a Milwaukee book because they're a fucking Nick fan. Like it's like what? what, what it's like what? To, to be fair, I've I've been like that. You know, um, when I no, went, I, when I, I was at a I Giants Eagles when I'm at like a when I was at a Giants Eagles game a couple years ago, I I got like that <laughs> just because I despise Philly. No, so. absolutely. But it, well, sports is different. Sports is different. Sports is different. I'll you know, but. I don't hate that guy like in real life. I hate that guy inside the city field because he's wearing a fucking Yankees jersey. Yeah. You, know, I'm, you don't I'm know that person. The market lot. Yeah, I don't have no idea. Yeah. Because we've, we've gotten, because of social media and phones and how you can do everything, you know, virtually, nobody has conversations anymore. Nobody knows how to be social in real life. And it is true. It is That's true. where I think – you know, our generation, you know, the, the 25 and up to like 30, you know, we were, we were cool because we got to see life. We got to see the tail end of how it used to be. We got to see the beginning of the cool technology and the cell phones and everything. Yeah. And then now we're, we're riding the wave of how crazy this shit is going to get. I was happy so when I, I got my had, first cell phone. It was a phone. fucking razor. You remember that phone, yeah, I, right? I was so I had happy. I was so happy when I got the razor. I was like, yes, let's go. And now kids, <laughs> if you show a kid a razor now, they're going to be like, oh, what? what, what do, I, do I shave with this? Like, uh, you know, so we got, we got to see that. So we got to experience a little bit of everything. You know, we got to yeah. experience playing boys in the back seat in the streetlight fucking trying to see what was going on and now i also have all my game boy phones on you know all my game boy games on my phone you know these kids now you know the number one i saw this the other day the number one career they like pulled like these kids going to like elementary school like the number one career they want to be a youtuber it's like what the fuck what yeah but well you got guys like ninja you got guys like pewdiepie like they, they see all that you know seeing yeah. people play games and stream i've tried I to watch ever. that and i'm like I'm fucking bored five minutes in. Dude, I, I can't imagine watching a video of somebody play a video game. To me, that is just insane. Now, I, I understand. Like, my, my, my favorite game growing up as a kid on PlayStation 2 was Sly Cooper. I don't know if you remember that. I, I have that. I have a PlayStation 2 now. I have, uh, I have Sly Cooper. So the only way I can put it into terms how I can understand it is if I was having trouble beating a level, I would maybe go on YouTube, watch how that guy beat it. Fucking close the computer. Oh, go I, do, beat the I, fucking I, I still do that. Now I'm playing, um, I'm playing Mario 64 again. And I do that now. If I don't know how to <laughs> get a star, watching 
but like that would be like me going to your channel, your Twitch, or your YouTube, and just watching you play the game and me not doing anything. Like I, I can't like, comprehend that. You know, we could complain. We could sit here and complain and think how stupid it is. They're making millions of fucking Million. dollars. Millions. How? Like I always say, am I doing? Like, are we doing something wrong? Yo, and it's not like these guys are like have great personalities and like they're cracking jokes and shit. Oh no! Just got another kill. Like the guy, the guy just playing a fucking yeah, game. Yeah, like like Ninja, he he's played with freaking Drake. He's played with yeah. Juju Smith Schuster. He's played with big name guys. And I'm just like, wow, wow, yeah. man. Okay, hey, more power to him. Oh, and I, I don't get. I I respect it. I, I I have to respect it because you're getting money. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just. It's insane. It is insane. So, sidebar that has nothing to do with what we were just talking about. How long <laughs> okay. do you spend editing your podcast? What's that? How long do you spend editing your podcast? Probably about, Probably about two, two to three, three, hours. three hours. Nice. So I can go get my charging cable before the laptop dies? Uh, yeah, go. Go. <laughs> okay, cool. Sorry. Ah. <sighs> don't understand it yeah i think to me that's we're back john john had a little uh problem with his laptop but we're all good now yes we are here no i i i agree uh i i I don't know um just uh, yeah it's, it's it's amazing it's it's amazing you know um i'm i just lost my train of thought uh, for a second. Oh, you're uh, good. Hey, listen, like I said, I'm an open book. You want to talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, obviously, we spent a good amount of, obviously, the whole thing talking about it. Um, I want to go on a lighter note. Did you ever meet any certain celebrities while in New York City? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I w- this is, this, see, I have a couple of good ones. Um, I was in charge of the VIP entrance slash viewing section of the global citizen concert that takes place every year during normal years in central park hugh jackman basically runs this thing and it's a whole thing global citizen you know we got to save the world all that stuff so i was put in charge of the vip section so anybody that was coming into the concert that was a celebrity had to go through me and this other cop and it was the coolest fucking thing that I have ever done. It was right after the Queen movie came out, Bohemian Rhapsody. Great movie, um, by the way. Outstanding. So Rami Malek, his girlfriend, and all the daughters from Queen, because Queen was the headliner of this concert, came in. He was wearing this blue bedazzled. It's on my Instagram, actually, this picture. He was wearing this blue bedazzled jacket. And I go, holy shit, that's fucking Rami Malek. So I'm like, oh, wait, fuck, duh. I'm running the VIP thing. They all got to come talk to me. So I can talk to a fucking hole in the wall. So the guy comes up. I'm like, hey, Mr. Malik, what's going on? Yeah. So he's talking. He goes, oh, please call me Rami. So now th- this is like 9 a.m. This thing goes on to like 4 a.m. So he's like, hey, am I going to be with you? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm running this little uh, the little VIP penalty. He's like, oh, cool. Gives me a big hug. Fuck, guy's a nice guy in the world. Introduces me to his girlfriend, all the daughters of Queen. 
So I'm like, wow, that was crazy. I wonder who else we're going to see. Hugh Jackman walks up to me. Hey, crocky officer fucking with his Australian accent, pat me on the back and shit. I'm like, no, fuck. Like, there's no way. Like, I've been here since like 4 a.m. I'm sweating my balls off. It's like a, it's early September. It was like the hottest day. And I'm like, holy shit. Chris Rock walks in. I hang out with Chris Rock. Dude, it was the funniest fucking shit. And now, so <laughs> my lieutenant who is running the show basically tells me, he's like, hey, you're in charge of this pen. These guys have any problems, any issues. It's on you. 10-4, boss. No problem. Katie Holmes walks in. Hi, Miss Holmes. Hey, hey. Gives me a big hug. Uh, I'm like, hey, I'm John. And the other guy I was working with was John. I said, so you can't forget our names. If you come up to one of us, it's John. Oh, she laughs, gives me a hug. She's like, yeah, we'll be around. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Oh, that's awesome. So now, now, now the concert's on. There's probably 300,000 people in Central Park. I mean, it's packed. Nuts to butts. Beautiful scenery. If you look it up, it's global. <laughs> I never, I never heard that saying. I never, I never heard that saying. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, dude, it's packed. So the whole day, because all these kids got here. It's all college kids and high schoolers. They all got here at like 9 a.m. So they've been standing in their spots, you know, just wet. I'm, I'm literally, I have to break through people to go pick up all these people that are fainting because they're so dehydrated. And it was hilarious. So I'm walking in. I'm screaming, get out of the way, get out of the way. They make a little path. And then I'm walking out with this girl who's like probably took acid or fucking she, you know, she's so dehydrated. She's out and everybody's clapping. They're like, yeah. It's like my 10th girl that I'm carrying out. You know, it's hilarious. So um, what's her name? Alicia Keys goes up on stage and she starts playing the piano. She starts going through. So she was incredible. I've never heard Alicia Keys live. And Rami comes back. He's wasted. Wasted him and his girlfriend just wasted, and he, he puts his arm around my uh, my neck and he goes, John, I want to go to the other side. I want to go get better view. And I'm like, All right, dude, no problem. Hold on to my gun belt. I'll walk you across to the other side. My lieutenant said, Hey, you're in charge. If these guys need anything, I had just walked Katie Holmes over to the other side previously with her daughter, both sweethearts by the way. She's an amazing person. So I'm like, all right. I'm like, dude, you follow me. I'm gonna wait till uh, till she's done singing. <laughs> so I walk. I start walking in front of the stage, and she starts playing. Um, I think New York State of Mind or something. The place goes wild. I mean, she's yeah, killing em- it. Empire, yeah, Empire State of Mind. No, no, no. She did a cover of Billy Joel. Oh, oh, ooh. Yeah, and okay. it, it's go. Oh my god, and. So she did that, and he goes, oh, no, no, we got to wait for this one. I said, okay. Then she plays some other one that I don't know the song, but apparently it was incredible. So we're walking across the stage. I got to walk, make sure none of these girls or guys are going to grab him because they're all losing their mind because they all know who he is. He, he, he was the biggest movie in the world at that point. So she starts singing, and he goes, oh, my God, I love this song. And he grabs me by the neck, and he drops. And now I'm sitting 10 feet in front of Alicia Keys. I got... She's literally 10 feet in front of me up on the stage. I got Rami Malik wasted, grabbing me by the neck. I got his girlfriend on the other side. They're swaying. They're singing the song. <laughs> and I got the, 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 the big bosses of the NYPD. Everybody but the commissioner is standing <laughs> in 
in front of the stage because this is this is the biggest thing going on in the city. Yeah, and they're yeah. all looking at me, and they're like, "Who the fuck is this kid? Like, what is this guy doing? Why is he up?" And I'm like, I'm sitting in the front row of this concert. You know, I'm supposed to be. Wor- I am working. I was told I got to take charge of these celebrities, so I would. My plan was just to move them to the other side. Take it easy, bro. I'll see you. I'll see you when you leave. Sometimes go plans to the other side, change. Go back. Sometimes plans change, John. What am I supposed to do? He just feed fucking crazy. So now I'm I'm having a great fucking time. So if you Google, if you Google Rami Malik Global Citizen, there's a picture of him wasted with his arm around my neck in the front row. <laughs> so now my lieutenant walks up to me. He's like, "What the hell are you doing?" He's like, "Get the fuck back to where you're supposed to be." So I'm like, "All right." I'm like, uh, "I'm like, boss, this is this is Rami Malik." I said, "And the girls he's with, they're the daughters of Queen. They're on next." He didn't know what to do. So I go, "Hey, Rami, take it easy. I'll see you when you leave." He goes, "Yep." So. All these big bosses, they, they were ready to kill me. They thought I was just, eh, fuck it, I don't want to work. And I, they thought I just sat down and started watching the concert. They had no idea I was with the uh, best actor, you know, Oscar winner. So they, uh, my lieutenant came up to me and apologized later. But that was funny. Um, Hugh Jackman backstage was hilarious. I, I ran into him at like the water cooler. Um, Jesse Waters, the Fox News guy. I was oh. guarding the uh, Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. He came up and said hi to me. Oh, okay. That's cool. Um, okay. You, ever see the, you ever see the mask? Um, that's Jim Carrey, right? Jim Carrey, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know the bad guy? I, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I, I Well, the bad, the bad guy from the movie, in, in, his name is Dorian. He's the one that's dating like Cameron Diaz in the movie. Okay. I'm standing okay. by the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. And I got pulled to go do because there were so many people that wanted to go see it. So I was told by a boss to go and um, monitor the, the side, the, the crosswalk, because there were so many people crossing the street that the cars couldn't get by. So my job was to limit how many people could cross at a given time to get the cars moving. <laughs> and this guy walks up to me. It's right around Christmas time. It was during that snow squall where, like, all of a sudden it was like a blizzard. So I feel like this guy like tapped me on the back, and now like that's going back to cop things like you never want anybody that close but it's rockefeller center everybody's you know packed like sardines there's nothing you can do so i turn around and he goes officer i just wanted to uh thank you for your service wish you a very merry christmas i hope you know i hope you have a good one and he shakes my hand and i go man i you look really familiar and he's like oh yeah you probably arrested me once or twice and he like laughs and i said no that's not it i said oh my god i said dude I was watching this last night. I go, you were in the fucking mask. I go, you were Dorian. And he like smiled. Meanwhile, this guy's been in like, he was in some like really good movie. He was in Oscar winning films. And I remember him from the bad guy from the fucking mask. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that was me. And I'm like, dude, get out of here. I love that movie. I gave, gave him a thing. He gave me like a bro hug and he was on his way. And it was just, that was funny. That was probably the funny. He's That's like, awesome. yeah, that was me. Yeah. I had some good ones with celebrities. Some pretty, uh, you should be blessed on that uh, end. Yeah, that was cool. That that's another cool thing about the job. You know, you have days where, you know, I got I got to throw a little girl in the back seat of my car because she's dying and rush her to the hospital. And then I have days where when I'm hanging out with fucking Rami Malek, Chris Rock, and all these other people. So it was, it was pretty. It was yeah, cool. I'm definitely there were, miss there that were, aspect. There were highs and lows. Oh yeah. But do you there were, there were, do, do you regret uh, leaving uh, now? Because you've been there for almost there for what two months? two months? I've been working for a month here. Okay. I'm making almost double what I was making. Uh, I'm living with my girlfriend. I just bought a house. Well, congratulations. Um, have a, thank you. I have a I have a Ford Bronco on reserve. It should be here by 2022. And these are all things I never would be able to do. 
having hey, yes, if I stayed in New York. New York. Yep. Now you know me. I was. I'm a season ticket holder for the Mets. I'm a die, die hard, die hard Mets fan. I think you're a bigger Mets fan than me. That, that's for damn sure. <laughs> die hard Islander fan. Die hard Jet fan. So that aspect of it's t- it's been tough. You know, I'm paying twenty five dollars a month for the NHL package to watch my games. The the job, my my quality of life is is like as you know, leaving New York as well. Your quality of life is better. Yeah, th- 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 yeah. It took me maybe a couple months to really be like, oh shit, you, you know. But I think in the long yeah. run, I made the best. Choice you made the best move for uh, starting a family in the future. Absolutely. And all that. Absolutely. My mortgage payment here, I wouldn't even be able to get a one-bedroom apartment in New York City. And that is why everyone leaves every single day. So so my, my life aspect of it, you know, I like to say I like to do fun shit, but fun shit costs money. Yep. So I need, to, I need to go where the money is, and then I can do the fun shit. If I stayed in New York, I would be probably staying at living at home I would as long as I possibly could. Because I, I physically wouldn't be able to afford it, um, and I would, I'd be happy. You know, I'd be having fun. I, I, I might get fucking shot. Like there was a very high chance that I was, yeah. I was gonna get shot one day. It was just a matter of time. Um, but I was doing what I always wanted to do. But it finally sank in that this is just not. This is no way to live. You know, I, I nobody goes into that profession for money. You know, if you're looking to make money, you go do something else. Yeah. Um, which I went in full knowledge that that's the case. So I can't complain about things that I willingly volunteered to do. But I would be mistaken if I told you I, I, I made the right choice. I made definitely made the right choice. I'm going to miss having those those stories and those experiences and my partner who you know i spent more time with my partner than i did with anybody and you know i had to you know i had to leave him and i had to leave everybody that i worked with because you become a uh you're closer than family because you i spend 99 percent of my yeah. my week with them you know these these are guys that you know they would take a bullet for you i would take a bullet for them and if the shit hits the fan i know i can put my life in, in that guy's hands especially my partner you know we we, we got an, a ton of shit that no, with if I'm working with anybody else, I'm probably not here talking to you right now. So that aspect of it was tough leaving. But then I look at the shit I'm able to do financially and my quality of life, and it's just like you know, it. At the end of the day, it wasn't worth it. Yeah, and as long yeah, as you're comfortable as with it, comfortable and, you're it and you're reaping the benefit, the early benefit. benefits right now, that's all that matters. And as long, yeah, just as long as you're comfortable with that, that's all that matters. And that's the that's the thing. The, the quicker, you know, everybody wants to say, "Oh, New York City, it's the greatest city in the world." I always, I tell city. people, when I tell people I'm from there, they're like, "Oh, how how's New York City?" I'm like, "It's cool. It's probably yeah. the most overrated place in America." Definitely. I said it is cool. It is. Go during the holidays. During the holidays, it's awesome. Oh, there's no better time than than but Christmas in New York City. I am, I'll, I'll die on that hill. But I will be honest with you. It is the most overrated place and expensive in every aspect. Absolutely. But I would no visit. I would visit once. You know, like that's what I tell it. You know, visit once, twice. I would definitely yep. visit though if you've never been. Go every couple of years. Go see a Broadway show. Exactly. Go to a, go to a game. But to to live there, you. I mean, you really. 
and it it sucks to say this because I you know I you know me I mean I I bleed New York. Um, I bleed I bleed New York teams. I bleed New York teams. Yeah. I, I I'm a New Yorker through and through. Yeah. But yeah. it's becoming a place, or it already, basically already has become a place where the uber rich and the dirt poor are the only two categories that could sustain there because the middle class just gets decimated and the lower class you know if you got you got the millionaires in the upper east side and you got the people on food stamps and that's it you nobody else can survive you got one that could afford everything and you got the other that can afford everything in a different aspect but the regular guy, the regular blue collar lunch pail guy, he just simply cannot afford life there, and that and it sucks because it was a great place to grow up, in my opinion, and it was a great place oh, to. And I'm I'm thankful I'm for growing thankful up for there, but at the at the same time, I had to get out too. Absolutely, and I, that's my advice Absolutely. for everybody. And if you still, you know, if you want to continue doing, that's you know, do you. You know, but, hey, listen, hey, listen, if you're making six fucking figures at, at 23, 24 years old, exactly. Do, do you, here, my guy, <laughs> but for, for the rest of us that, you know, are the cops are the firemen are yeah, anybody, literally any fucking job other than making six figures, you're, you you're at a disadvantage the minute yeah. you walk out the door yeah, and it sucks. And that's why you're seeing a lot of these businesses move to different places. Because, you know, for me working in New York City, I got hit with New York state tax and New York City tax in my paycheck. So I was getting double fucked. Yeah. It's not even worth it at that point. No, 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 no. I mean, I I literally was bringing home 23 to 25,000 a year. And and I got to eat. I had carpet. I wasn't even paying rent. I was barely affording life. And then I bust my ass doing overtime and I don't see any of that. You had to do that. Oh, forget it. Forget it. It would be truly impossible. But it was brutal. I'm I'm glad you know you got to live out your dream too. You actually got to live it. You did it. You did it. You realize okay. Okay. Not worth it. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, life is short, and we got to do what we want to do. So. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. I I definitely. I'm glad I'm sitting here now having this conversation with you. Saying on the aspect of I I did it. I can say that I did it. Now moving on because. It sure as hell would suck if I'm some grumpy forty year old bastard that's like, Man, I should've fucking should have fucking did it sitting in my one bedroom apartment yeah. no wife, no You know, eating your uh your nice uh twenty second street twenty second street pizza and oh man, I really I really could use a girlfriend right now, you know what I mean? That's see, that's another fucking aspect of New York that that I, I really, really miss is Oh, you know, I, I make I miss making fun of like the uh hey how you doing people and you know? <laughs> Well, everybody here thinks I talk like that. So it's so um, weird. People think I don't have a New York accent. It's so oh, it's no. so funny. I, people at work think I'm like they think they think they're watching like an episode of The Sopranos. <laughs> it's so funny. But, people, a lot of people here, are like I don't I don't hear it. I'm like really. <laughs> that the food, you know, I'm a I, I was, oh, two years. Uh, I miss New York pizza and I miss egg sandwiches. There are a couple good places around here, but nothing compared to that. I, up with and I, I will fucking fight somebody on this. I grew up in Queens, going to 
possibly the best pizza place in New York City, and it was sure as shit right next to the best bagels in New York City. I, my family's been going there since the fucking place opened. I'm the third generation to go there. It was the best. Brothers Pizza. The fucking New York Mets get their pizza from Brothers Pizza. The owner, Dennis and his wife, run the place now. Dennis was a foul ball boy at Shea Stadium for like 10 years. Now he owns the place. He delivers pizza to the Mets for after the games. The, the pizza's out of this world. Fucking ridiculous. So I grew up going there. And then right down the street on Horace Harding in Fresh Meadows is Bagel Oasis. The place hasn't closed its doors in like 40 years. It's open 24-7, 365, Christmas morning, New Year's Eve night, fucking a regular Wednesday at 4 a.m. You can go get an egg sandwich, bacon, egg, and cheese, whatever you want. It's unbelievable. The shit they pass off as pizza and bagels in this state is criminal. It's not bad. It's not as bad here, but I can probably think – you know, in uh, you know, Missouri, obviously, Criminal. it's completely different life. Criminal. Yeah, and then when they throw the term like New York style in front of shit, I'm like, this is fucking. That's where that's where our uh, cockiness will come into play. Oh, dude, I'm a my girlfriend can't even. Oh, uh, what are you a fucking expert on food or something now? Like, oh, dude, she can't. Like, she can't. She refuses to go out and eat like Italian food with me because I'll lose my mind. And like pizza, she can't. She's like, no, we're not going to get. Pizza. I'm like, why? I can like go for like some shitty pizza today. And she's like, no, because like you're gonna like I'll tell the waiter. I, I looked at the waiter one time. We went to an all you can eat old school Italian restaurant here in St. Louis on the hill. I'm not gonna say the name of it because I don't. God forbid. But she's like, listen, this place has been there for like 50 years. They got the best pasta. It's all you can eat. Dude, I didn't eat all day. Like I'm like, this place is going to fucking lose money when I walk in there. The guy goes to hand us menus. I said, no, 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 we're good. We're here for the all-you-can-eat pasta. I've been hearing great things. He goes, oh, sir, you're going to – I'm wearing a med head. He goes, oh, you're from New York. You're going to love it. I promise. So I'm like, all right, cool. Dude, this shit look like SpaghettiOs. <laughs> I fucking – it was the worst fucking pasta I've ever had in my life. And the guy looks at, he comes back, he goes, oh, do you want to, it's all you can eat. You want another plate? I said, no, 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 we will take the check. And he's like, uh, uh, I'm like, this was horrid. And she's like hanging her head. She's like, (laughs) 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 see, I'm like that too. I'm not a very confrontational person. So like if, like my girlfriend's definitely more of the, uh, the, the active one in terms of like complaining about like the food and stuff like that. So if I was there too, I'd probably have been like, Oh jeez. Oh no. I was like, dude, I'm like, you can't fucking, this is brutal. Like we went to, we went to a Cardinals game. Um, when I was in college here and I, I'm like, man, I'm starving. I'm gonna get a jumbo hot dog. <laughs> and they handed me this hot dog. And I'm like, Oh no, ma'am. I'm sorry. I, I said jumbo. And she was like, yeah, this is the jumbo dude. It was a fucking sabrette. Like it was a regular oh, hot dog. <laughs> See, like, it's just it's different ways of life in the uh, you know parts of the United States. It's just it's different. I'm like, oh, this is a jumbo. I'm like, what the fuck's a regular pig in a blanket? What the hell is this? I know it's what you grow up with. Oh, well, that too. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. That's kind of where we're like, uh, uh, we were we were cursed with that, and we were spoiled we were with just spoiled some good ass food. Oh yeah, that's the, the best, thing. We were the just best spoiled restaurants on this in this, let alone this country, but in the world. Area. Yeah. Or in New York, can't I? It's a hard, hard, hard. Uh, dis- yeah, I can't disagree with you there. It's hard to disagree with you on that. <laughs> ah, yeah, dude, man. I, I, uh, I enjoyed this conversation for sure. Absolutely, uh, I love it. 
Yeah, I love I love this. So that's John Eckel, uh, former New York Police Department uh, cop, uh, told uh, some stories here, uh, and then we bragged about our New Yorkness. You know, that's because that's what we do. <laughs> you know, that's that's what we do here. Um, <laughs> um, be safe out in uh, Missouri, brother. Um, Absolutely, bro. I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, have a good one, man. Thank you, bro. And, Listen, I had uh, a great time. Yes. Appreciate you coming on. And if we ever want to talk Mets and uh, sports jerseys, have, abs- me, have abs- me back abs- on. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, most importantly, let's go Mets. Let's we'll go definitely Mets. be talking during the season. So. So. All right. And uh, everybody have a good one.